I'm Amarachi Crystal, and you're listening to Life by Amarachi Podcast, where I and my guests share our life experiences and inform you from an analytical and mental health perspective. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up to date with new episodes I upload. Subscriptions are now on a monthly basis for as low as 99 cents per month to as high as $9.99 per month. Donations are also welcome through the support link on Linktree and Cash App. If you cannot financially support, share the podcast with your community to grow the podcast listenership. Don't forget to leave a comment or review and a voice message that can be highlighted on an episode. All subscriptions, donations, voice messages, and episode links will be in the show notes. Hello, y'all. How are you doing? How are you feeling? How's your energy? Also, how is the new year treating you? I wouldn't say the new year is going awfully on a personal level for me. It's actually very chill right now. I'm finally feeling like myself again. I'm remembering what day and time it is too. I don't know if you all felt like you were in a cloud during holiday season and today, but I sure as hell did. So now that I have a flow in place, my energy is stabilized. I've been heavy on my mental health and intellect back as of late. I've been doing a lot of research and putting myself through exercises that I believe will stretch my human experience in a very healthy and individualized way. One exercise I did the other day was to listen to someone who I felt was horrible, especially as the media painted them. The exercise was to build my tolerance and my compassion. And that person that I chose to listen to was Candace Owens. I listened to one of her interviews with Russell Brand and loved the interview style. Like, the way Russell Brand does interviews is so entertaining. I flippin' love it. I love the interview, though, understanding Candace on a deeper level, understanding why she's a conservative, and understanding why she has been painted horribly. I left the interview not feeling animosity towards her like I did before, even though I feel like a lot of her viewpoints lack depth and nuance and also empathy. I still left the interview not really feeling any animosity to her. And I know that this is probably going to be controversial for those who really don't like her, but I don't hate the woman. (laughs) I don't hate the women. I do disagree with her but I do not hate her. And I hated having that feeling towards someone that I didn't even know. And I've never really researched or even heard stories about her. I hated that I took what I read about her, someone else's perspective of her as my own. That's what I wanted to challenge. I wanted to challenge my own individuality and and the way that I think and the way that I process because there's a lot of information that we get, especially when we're speaking about mental health. When we speak about unlearning a lot of the things that we were taught, that comes in play with also a lot of the things that we read about someone else that we haven't personally experienced. 
So I'm proud of myself for the fact that I gave Candace Owens a fair chance without the voices of anyone else, especially the media. So this exercise to build tolerance and compassion is a way for me to learn how to humanize someone who does not stand in the same thing I stand for. If we're going to preach love and kindness, we do have to learn what ingredients are necessary to bring those into fruition. I've always felt this and maybe it's written somewhere, but the best way to change someone's mind and to form a true connection is to lead by example. I can't tell someone they lack compassion and demonize them at the same time, then turn around and call myself compassionate. I can't shame someone else and call myself compassionate. Where is the compassion in shaming and demonizing another human being? I'm not saying don't hold someone accountable for their horrible and harmful actions, but shaming and demonizing someone will not make them change. They will just push back and possibly become worse. So I ask you to exercise your discomforts to a new level and hold space for those who oppose your viewpoints because in your show of compassion, they might just find the compassion within themselves that they've been lacking. There's a lot of unpacking we all have to do in life, and I'm aiming to unpack a lot internally within my healing journey, and this is just another level of that. Overall, life is life in, and I'm working on projects that are allowing me to expand even more. I started reviewing a reality show on Oprah's own. It's called Ladies Who List, and it's a way for me to pour into my YouTube channel and use that as another way of expressing myself and also possibly growing some passive income. You know, why not? It's there for something, right? So I will love for you guys to support. I'll post the link in the show notes and you guys can subscribe, can like the video because when you subscribe and you like the video, also watch the video. <laughs> but when you do that, it helps with the algorithm and it also helps with the monetization. I'm also co-curating an event that, that's going to be happening on January 28th. It's with a Ohio and DC-based collective called Speak Easy, Go Hard. Their mission is to create a space for survivors of violence, specifically gun violence, to heal through art. If you're in New York City, the event is going to be held at the Boogie Down Grind. It's a cafe in the Bronx. Please also support them. They are amazing. But I'll post the event link for the Speak Easy, Go Hard event that's going to happen on the 28th in the show notes. This year, for me at least, is all about living in my purpose and being as creative as possible. I want to exercise my creative energy in doing things that I love to do that also help and promote mental health and self-expression. And I want to do it by living by example. I'll probably also do an episode on compassion, tolerance, kindness, and sociopolitical ideologies. But for now, this episode is going to be a replay, a rerun of season one, episode three, where I spoke about childhood trauma. So please enjoy the episode. Today's episode is going to be about trauma, specifically childhood trauma. We'll talk about what childhood trauma is and how it might show itself in our life. I've had experiences in my childhood and adolescence that were traumatic. 
and about 70% of those traumatic experiences came from my family, and about 30% came from the outside world. These experiences influenced how I saw the world and the kind of adult I was becoming, especially in my 20s. I'll share with you some of the changes I made to focus on my healing. So what is childhood trauma? Childhood trauma is also known as adverse childhood experiences or complex trauma. It's when children go through a range of experiences that classify as psychological trauma. These might include neglect, abandonment, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and verbal abuse. Children may also experience a parent or sibling being treated violently, or there is a parent with a mental illness. These events have profound psychological, physiological, and sociological impacts that can have negative lasting effects on the health and well-being of children. Childhood trauma shows up in a person's attachment style and relationship. It has an effect on physical health, emotional responses, and behavior. It can affect a person's thinking and ability to learn, a person's concept of self, and their future orientation. It can cause long-term health consequences and dissociation. It can also impact a person economically. Out of the number of ways childhood trauma can affect someone, I'll speak on two that I feel are necessary to connect with. I found this information on the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, which I'll leave in the show notes for you guys to check out. Let's talk about how childhood trauma affects attachment and relationship. The importance of a child's close relationship with a caregiver cannot be overestimated. Through relationships with important attachment figures, children learn to trust others, regulate their emotions, and interact with the world. They develop a sense of the world as safe or unsafe and come to understand their value as individuals. When those relationships are unstable or unpredictable, children learn that they cannot rely on others to help them. When primary caregivers exploit and abuse a child, the child learns that they are bad and the world is a terrible place. The majority of abused or neglected children have difficulty developing a strong, healthy attachment to a caregiver. Children who do not have healthy attachments are more vulnerable to stress. They have trouble controlling and expressing emotions and may react violently or inappropriately to circumstances. Our ability to develop healthy, supportive relationships with friends and significant others depends on whether we develop those kinds of relationships in our families first. A child with a complex trauma history may have problems in romantic relationships, in friendships, and with authority figures such as teachers or police officers. Childhood trauma also affects emotional responses. Children who have experienced complex trauma often have difficulty identifying, expressing, and managing emotions and may have limited languages for their feelings. They often internalize and or externalize stress reactions and as a result may experience significant depression, anxiety, or anger. Their emotional responses may be unpredictable or explosive. 
A child may react to a reminder of a traumatic event with trembling, anger, sadness, or avoidance. For a child with a complex trauma history, reminders of various traumatic events may be everywhere in the environment. This child may react often, react powerfully, and has difficulty calming down when upset. Since the traumas are often interpersonal, even mildly stressful interactions with others may serve as trauma reminders and trigger intense emotional responses. Having learned that the world is a dangerous place where even loved ones can be trusted to protect you, children are often vigilant and guarded in their interactions with others and are more likely to perceive situations as stressful or dangerous. While this defense mechanism is protective when an individual is actually under attack, it becomes problematic in situations that do not warrant such intense reaction. Ultimately, many children also learn to tune out or become emotionally numb to threats in their environment, making them vulnerable to re-victimization. Difficulty managing emotions is pervasive and occurs in the absence of relationships as well. Not learning how to calm themselves down once they are upset, many of these children become easily overwhelmed. For example, in school, they may become so frustrated that they give up on even small tasks that present a challenge. Children who have experienced early and intense traumatic events also have an increased likelihood of being fearful all the time and in many circumstances. They are more likely to experience depression as well. To share a little bit about my childhood trauma journey, I'll be honest and say that I've experienced neglect, physical abuse, and verbal abuse from the ages of 7 to 25 by family members. I've also experienced some trauma outside of my family, but the ones with my family absolutely stick. I didn't have a healthy attachment with my father growing up, and my mother and I had loads of tumultuous moments, which caused a rift in our relationship multiple times. I can't say the relationships with my siblings were ideal either. Some of them, if not all, were the cause of my trauma. I don't remember truly feeling safe and protected in the presence of my family, and feeling alone in the world was a true reality for me. I don't completely trust my family to be emotionally supportive, and even any other form of external support still feels strange and a bit forced. But of course, I appreciate any amount of effort that's made, currently speaking. I know it's not easy for them as well. I mean, in some instances, we faced a lot of these traumatic experiences together. I'm sure they also need healing as well. Due to my traumatic childhood experience, I have my boss with depression, which is still an existing struggle in my life now. My adverse childhood experience affected my romantic and friendship life as well. I had a lot of failed relationships and friendships that turned out to be toxic for me and I'm sure for the other people as well. But I'm not one to lament and sit in the victim's seat for the rest of my life nor am I one to continue traumatizing or be traumatizing myself and the people around me. So, at the age of 32, to fix what was a toxic romantic relationship, I finally decided to go to therapy. 
I've tried seeking therapy in my 20s, but it never stuck because although I don't regret any of my experiences, I wasn't connecting the dots to the reasons why. A lot of the things, especially in my relationships with other people outside of my family, were not working out for me. I was still holding on to the experiences and the pain it was causing. Because of the energy that exists within me though, I did not and could not give up on my growth. Seeking therapy is by far the best decision I've ever made. I still have some more healing to do because breaking old habits is not easy and forgetting the trauma is also not an easy task. But I am prepared for all the work necessary to be the best version of myself. I can say that I do wish and long for my family to talk from our hearts about what we all experience, to take ownership of things that we each, including myself, did to hurt one another, and to agree to be kinder and more compassionate to one another. If that ever happened, it would build understanding between us. It would create less tension during the holidays and at family gatherings. And as a family, we would collectively heal and collectively fight against generational trauma. But in the meantime, in between time, all I can do is continue to work on my healing and therapy and do my part, this podcast being one of them, to tell my story, to tell our stories and grab a hold on generational trauma. If this episode brought something up for you, whether it's a reflection on your childhood, make sure to connect to the why and ask yourself what can you do differently today and how can you support yourself in your knowledge of your own adverse childhood experience. I will always recommend a healthy way or a healthy outlet to release and deal with whatever childhood trauma is standing in your way of growth. I continuously advise everyone to go to therapy mostly when you second-guess therapy. It might mean you need it the most. Even though I prefer and would always recommend psychotherapy and talk therapy, there are so many forms of therapy out there. I found a quiz by mywellbeing.com that you can take to find out what form of therapy best suits you. I'll put the link in the show notes. Remember that self-care is not only about spas and binge watching your favorite shows. It isn't all about brunch or a vacation to get away from your responsibilities. Self-care is about taking care of your inner child. Let that inner child get the healing and love they did not receive. Healing from childhood trauma and trauma altogether is most necessary to cultivate the kind of world that we want to live in and the world for the children that come after us. It's about the kind of life we want to lead. I'll end this episode with a quote I found on Facebook from a page called Intelligence is Sexy. And it goes like this, childhood trauma can lead to an adulthood spent in survival mode, afraid to plant roots, to plan for your future, to trust, to let joy in. It is a blessing to shift from surviving to thriving. It is not simple, but there is more than survival.
Thank you so much for listening and sharing space with me today. I hope this episode served you in your journey. And remember to take care of yourself and your mental health because you all deserve it.